from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. So I don't know if you guys watch The Bachelor, but every season they say, oh, this is the most dramatic season ever. I feel like we often say that with elections, this is the most important election ever, but it is. This November, we have a choice to make about what kind of country we want to be. Do we want to be a free country like our founding fathers envisioned, like the founding generation envisioned? Or do we want to be a tyranny where you have a dictator like Joe Biden who went out and addressed the nation in a primetime speech at Philadelphia's Independence Hall? a place where both the United States Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution were debated and adopted by our founding fathers and the founding generation who went out there, looked Americans in the eye in a primetime address in a slap to the face of that legacy, making a mockery of the sacrifice that those brave men charted. They charted a different path for our nation, making a mockery out of this constitutional republic, making a mockery out of our freedoms, making a mockery out of our country and sitting there and slandering 75 million patriotic Americans, smearing them, saying that they're the enemy, they're enemies of the state. And you saw that, that imagery of Joe Biden sitting there with the, the blood red stage, the Marines in the backdrop, looking like he's standing in front of the gates of hell as a dictator. I mean, he is, but that was intentional. I mean, he wanted to stoke fear in people. The message was clear. I'm in control, submit. That's what he wanted. And what he was doing was the othering of 75 million Americans, you and me, the people listening to this podcast, many of them, or, or maybe you didn't vote for Trump. That's fine, too. But it was the othering of them. 
And, and we've seen this in societies if you go through it. I mean, this has happened before. I mean, you look at the most extreme example, the horrors we witnessed in, in Europe and Germany. I mean, that was a uniquely terrible time in history. I pray to God we never see that again. I don't think we're heading down that path. But it's always instructive to look at history. I mean, you can look at Holocaust survivors like Paul Herzeg, and he said that he remembers the precise moment he was made to feel fundamentally different. In 1944, after the Nazis invaded his home country of Hungary, and he said it, it didn't take very long before the edict came out, every Jew must wear a yellow star. This is the first time I realized that I'm different, even among my friends. We've, we've seen it all over the world, not just in what we saw in Germany and Europe. We've seen it in Cambodia, Rwanda, Turkey. We've saw it in the Jim Crow South. I mean, is that the kind of stuff we want to return to? This othering of people, but this time based on political views? 75 million Americans? The intentional dehumanization of this group, which then sets up a path for potential discrimination and persecution? They've called this fascist. I mean, think about it. The guy, the president of the United States, the guy who is quite literally at this time trying to imprison his political opponent has thoughts on fascism. Uh, you know, and, unless it's an instructional how-to, he doesn't really have a leg to stand on. But we've seen this othering happen in, in more recent events, right? I mean, remember COVID and the forced vaccinations of Americans. I mean, Joe Biden knew that the COVID shots would not stop the spread of COVID, yet he went out there and announced sweeping mandates trying to force the vaccination on, you know, at least 100 million Americans, almost two-thirds of all workers, in addition to purging the military of people who didn't want to get it, healthcare workers as well. This is one of the reasons I chose not to get vaccinated. One, I didn't need it. Two, I saw it as an affront to me and my freedom. I saw it as tyranny. It was a, my you know, own fight uh, against tyranny to the degree I could. And if you saw what he did, even ahead of Christmas, he warned of this winter of severe illness and death for the unvaccinated, for themselves, their families, and the hospitals will soon overwhelm. And he sent that message intentionally, and the message was clear. Your unvaccinated family members and your unvaccinated friends are a danger to society. They are a threat. It was to stoke division. It was to other the unvaccinated in the country. I felt it. I had friends and family turn their backs on me. I'm sure many people listening have experienced this either during COVID or just with 2016 stuff, with Trump stuff, politics. We've seen the othering happen in places like Canada. You had the Trudeau regime freeze bank accounts belonging to the Freedom Convoy protesters and their supporters. I mean, authorities in that country seized bank accounts associated with protest organizers and, and businesses tied to the blockade. You have the, the two main organizers are expected to go on trial in September of 2023. And, and the irony is that Joe Biden says that this is because MAGA conservatives are dangerous because they questioned a 2020 election. But then he hires a spokesperson who has a history of questioning elections. Or you look at Nancy Pelosi tweeting, and I, I think it was 2017, that the 2016 election was hijacked. So clearly they don't have a problem with questioning elections. And then he cites violence, which we saw on January uh, 6th, but was silent in 2020 as cities burned down and as dozens of people were murdered. He was silent when there was an attempted assassination against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. I don't remember strongly worded defenses of Brett Kavanaugh. We saw some, you know, mealy mouse stuff, nothing strong. I don't remember hearing from him in, in any strong way or even at all during the 2017 assassination attempt against congressional Republicans that left the House Minority Whip leader, Steve Scalise, who was shot, critically injured during the attack, had to have several surgeries to save his life. Where was Joe Biden then? You know, I, I don't remember hearing from him heading into the 2016 election when in San Jose protesters attacked Trump supporters and are on video 
of uh, punching Trump supporters. I don't remember hearing from him on August 9th, 2016, when a 62-year-old man wearing a Donald Trump shirt was viciously attacked by a crowbar-wielding man. I don't remember hearing from him in October of 2016 when the Republican headquarters in North Carolina was firebombed. I don't remember hearing from him in 2016 at the inauguration when uh, they were setting the city on fire and setting cars on fire. Or in March of 2017 when a Tennessee motorist tried to run Representative David Kustoff off the road. I mean, the list goes on. There's so many examples. I just I don't have time to give it. So I don't remember him being there or when Maxine Waters was encouraging you know, protesters and rioters to get up in the faces of people or Kamala Harris told Jacob Blake, who showed up at a woman's house to re-victimize her and pulled a knife on police officers, Kamala Harris, his own vice president, who he picked, said she was proud of him. Where was he then? Or when she was encouraging people to bail out violent rioters, where was he then? Does he have a problem with that violence? But we all know why he he's dehumanizing us, why he's demonizing us. One, he wants to use the power of government against us. We've seen this happen with President Trump. We've seen it happen with the Department of Justice labeling parents as terrorists or what we're going to see with the IRS soon with the beefed up 87,000 agents. So we've seen that, but also because he's a failing regime. Nothing in this country is going right. He's ruined everything. Inflation, the border, crime in the streets, nothing is going right. And everybody knows that the majority of the country thinks we're on the wrong track. He's destroying the country. So this is desperation. It's a man clinging to power as he feels power slipping through his hands like sand. He's losing power. And this is what desperate people do, desperate things. And it's desperation to go on a primetime speech and label 75 million Americans as enemies of the state. And I think there's a real effort to demoralize conservatives in, in the turnout for the midterms. You even see a lot of these bogus registered voter surveys, which help Democrats. When you look at likely voter surveys, Republicans are doing much better. The landscape looks much more favorable to Republicans. I mean, there was even a recent poll from the Trafalgar Group showing the Republican in Washington state who's running for Senate in striking distance. In Washington state, that's insane. So don't believe a lot of this garbage you're being fed. Or you can look at the state of Florida. Republican Registered Republicans now outnumber Democrats by over 250,000 people in Florida, which used to be a purple state. You look at New Jersey, new registration numbers since 2020. Democrats netted 7,684 new voters. Republicans gained 79,111. So don't let yourself get demoralized. Don't let yourself feel downtrodden. This is what they want. We've got a turnout in November. This is one of the most important elections, if not the most important election of our lifetime. And we've got a candidate who is running for Senate in Missouri. You know him as the Attorney General, Eric Schmidt. He's awesome. Right now he is, because of a lawsuit that he and the Attorney General of Louisiana filed, has uncovered critical information about collusion between our own government and big tech and trying to silence and censor Americans. So we're going to talk to him about that. He also fought on the vaccine as well to try to protect Americans from having to get it. This guy is a fighter and he's running for Senate. So we're going to talk to him about everything I just laid out and, and my concerns and hearing from him, someone who is going to go to the Senate and fight for us, going to go to the Senate and fight this tyranny that we are seeing and we are experiencing in America. So with that, the current Attorney General of Missouri, Eric Schmidt, but soon to be Senator. Enjoy. 
General Eric Schmidt, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. You're running for Senate, so you're a busy guy right now. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time. No, it's great to be with you. It really is. I mean, what a time to be alive. We watched that speech from Joe Biden, you know, taking the stage in a primetime address to essentially say that 75 million Americans are, you know, enemies of the state. I, I want to play a clip and then get your reaction on the other side. But as I stand here tonight, Equality and democracy are under assault. We do ourselves no favor to pretend otherwise. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Why do you think he gave that speech? What's the intent behind it? I think it's meant to distract uh, from his abysmal record as president. I mean, you see, look, coming out of the Trump presidency, we had, you know, record job growth and wage growth. You had a secure border. You had energy dominance. And that has all gone away. And you now have record inflation. Um, You have a struggling economy. We have a president that's going to Saudi Arabia begging for oil and shipping our strategic national petroleum reserve to China with gas prices that are sky high. I mean, and, and, an un, and by the way, a totally porous border where you have fentanyl streaming across the border, killing people in our community. So his record is terrible. So all he has left is a, a really kind of an unprecedented assault by an American president on half of the country. I mean, that is essentially categorizing, you know, 75 million people as the enemy. And it's just, it's a very desperate attempt. And I think it came across as such, I hope, to most of the American people that, um, you know, this is just, this president's completely lost his bearings. The the left, which controls the Democrat Party, is hell-bent on power and control. And I think they know a reckoning is coming, Lisa, in November. And this is just their latest attempt to distract from that. Well, and we've already seen them, you know, walk it back, uh, clearly realizing that having him in front of this fiery red backdrop looking like he's in front of the gates of hell with his arms up like a dictator might not be the best imagery to <laughs> heading into a midterm election. I right? mean, so- images matter, right? I mean, Reagan, of course, you know, standing in front of the, the, the Brandenburg Gate and saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And then you, you have a president now that looks like it's out of a movie, like he's like a Sith Lord, you know, standing in front of these red gates demanding, you know, some sort of struggle session or some, you know, from half the country is very bizarre. So whoever, and then he had, you know, the military behind them. It was just all the optics were terrible. And the content of the speech, and you just, you know, played a, a, a snippet of that, was just so divisive. And this is a guy that supposedly ran as the, you know, the nice grandpa that was going to unite the country. I mean, far be it from that. So. Well, I didn't want to play too much of it because I didn't want to do that to you or the audience again for, you know, and then for those of us who are, you know, forced to watch it. Uh, well, I think what concerns me is it really was this othering of 75 million people. And you can really go throughout history and see what can it leads to sometimes when you have this othering. We've seen it in Germany. We've seen it in Cambodia, Rwanda, Turkey, this dehumanization of a group of people. So, I, you know, I don't think that should be taken Lightly, you know, where where does this go? Well, I think it's important to put it, Lisa, in a broader context. So you're right. It's a very dangerous ideology where you're dehumanizing, you know, fellow countrymen 
because they have a different political belief than you. And meanwhile, here's what else is happening. You've got the FBI that's been weaponized now by the Department of Justice, which is after past political opponents, likely future political opponent and former president. That just looks like it comes out of a third world banana republic. You've got the FBI weaponized against parents, investigating parents under the Patriot Act for showing up to school board meetings. You have 87,000 IRS agents being fanned across the country to go after taxpayers and the middle class. Uh, And then, you know, uh, uh, the FBI looking the other way on like the Hunter Biden laptop story and things like that. So you put all of that stuff together. And by the way, with our recent lawsuit and some of the revelations that have come out this week against the Biden administration, Missouri sued their coordination with big tech, they are directing Facebook and Twitter on content and deplatforming people for quote unquote misinformation. The same administration that had a ministry of truth, a disinformation governance board. I mean, talk, talk about not being normal. You know, we're not having traditional political debates right now about tax cuts and entitlement reform. The Democrats literally are two votes away in the United States Senate from adding states to the union and packing the Supreme Court and federalizing elections and granting amnesty, trying to fundamentally change this country forever. Uh, that's what's at stake in this election. And so I think as conservatives, as Republicans, our role here is to save the country and to get it back, not so that Washington can aggregate more power and reward and punish, but to give that power back to people, whether it's deregulation or tax cuts, and get back to a place where people find meaning in their communities and at church and other organizations, as opposed to consolidating all of that, you know, everything you want in life with one person in Washington. It doesn't work that way, and it's dangerous. It is dangerous. I mean, fortunately, we still have the bare bones of what our founding fathers built as a country, you know, checks and balances in the First and Second Amendment, which are critical for free societies and which are both under attack. You know, talk a little bit more about that lawsuit that you filed along with the attorney general of Louisiana and the information that you uncovered with it, which is crucial uh, with about the First Amendment. So, So talk a little bit about the lawsuit and what you found. Yeah. And and to touch on a a broader point that you mentioned is, thankfully, our founders recognized they were great students of history and of these tyrannical regimes that had, you know, existed at the time. Uh, They they knew human nature, right? People try to aggregate power. And that's what every tyrant and dictator does. So they meant to spread it out, right? Checks and balances, separation of powers, uh, federalism, where states created the federal government to be a government of limited powers. And when they get out of that lane, the states can sue to check that. And it's all meant to protect individual liberty. And so a lot of the lawsuits that we filed, Lisa, have been based on this, right? That an agency like OSHA, which was created to make sure forklifts beep when they back up, uh, isn't supposed to be forcing a medical procedure uh, on 80 million Americans, right? So we filed that lawsuit. Missouri was the first to file to the Supreme Court and we won. But we filed uh, earlier this year a landmark lawsuit um, against the Biden administration for their direct coordination, collusion, and direction of this, you know, vast censorship enterprise that they have with big tech. Big tech is, so we filed that lawsuit, a judge ordered discovery. So we're getting documents now. And what we found is senior Facebook officials direct, you know, communicating directly with the surgeon. Here's some more, we call a censorship roundtable, essentially, right, to figure out what else they can be doing to deplatform people who dared to question, you know, the regime's, uh, you know, stated position on things. And then they had like these special ways that they could, government officials could go in and essentially take down content themselves 
uh, as preferred, I think they're called preferred um, flagging status or something like that. So this was pretty uh, extensive. And in addition to that, uh, well, those are the things that we currently know. What we don't know now is what the Department of Justice is trying to block, which are communications with White House officials, you know, in the White House with Facebook. And that's the next phase of the lawsuit is we're going to get at that stuff, too, because we want to know how high this go, how high it goes and how wide it goes, because I think it's important to making sure this stuff stops and it doesn't happen again. And what kind of information were they they try were they trying to suppress and, and censor specifically? Do we know? So a lot of this had a lot of this had to do with COVID. So essentially, the lawsuit's based on a few things, right? You know, election issues, um, uh, Hunter Biden laptop issues, and COVID-related stuff. And the the vast majority of the stuff that we were able to encoder, cover so far, having to do with COVID, right? Them trying to you know snuff out misinformation or disinformation, and the government's direct role in doing that. And and they were um, you know sort of unapologetic about this. You know, they and you had Lynn, or uh, Jen Psaki standing there saying, "We're working with our Facebook partners or our, you know, our social media partners in trying to take this stuff down." I mean, they were admitting it, and so this is the first time in this lawsuit now where we've got to, you know, look under the hood where we actually get documents because a lot of times what happens, Lisa, is people file these lawsuits against Facebook or something and ends up in the Northern District of California and never sees the light of day. So this is the first lawsuit. You know, we filed against the government of the United States, Joe Biden and his administration, and we're getting um, some documents. There's a lot more to uncover here, but this is more than anybody's seen before. But again, these are we've got, you know, example after example uh, in our motion to get more information. Some of the stuff we've gotten and it's these are text messages, again, directly to the Surgeon General. These are, um, uh, you know, emails saying, uh, can you take this down? You know, and then somebody from Instagram saying on it and it's taken down. I mean, that's not what's supposed to happen. Like the government doesn't get to say what you get to say. They don't get to tell you what content is appropriate. And then you heard the, um, you know, the press secretary this week say, well, what do you consider extremism? Something that's outside the mainstream. Well, what does that mean? You know, the government, again, in the United States doesn't get to decide that. Right. Dissent is important. Um you know, having people having unpopular opinions at the time, by the way, most of those have been proven to be true, you know, especially as it relates to COVID. When we were told, you know, masking, you know, these cloth masks work, well, that was bogus. But people were being, you know, deplatforms or reputations ruined because they dared to question the regime. And that's something that should be very scary to people in this country and why this lawsuit is so important. Well, I, I feel that because I, I tend to very often have unpopular opinions that are, that are being yeah. attacked by people. Uh, you well, know. I'm by nature. I mean, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a contrarian too. Uh, maybe that's how I ended up doing what I do now. But it's it's an important case because I mean, the, the First Amendment is the beating heart of our Constitution. You know, it is the ultimate pressure release valve because most places in the world they resolve these disputes uh, through violence. And in this country, we decided, hey, we're going to settle these issues on the town square. And people get to say things that are unpopular that might actually make you angry, but they get to say them. So when the government is basically coming in uh, and cracking down on the speech and saying you don't get to do that, that's a problem. And again, that's at the heart of this lawsuit. Well, it's also to your point, it's, you know, the heartbeat of freedom in, in a country. I mean, there's a reason why you can go through and look at communist regimes, whether it was Fidel Castro when he took over, China, the, you know, 
uh, Communist Party of China, Nazi Germany, what they do is they go in and they control the flow of information. Because if you control the flow of information, if you control what people read, see and hear, then you control society. So, you know, the, that freedom of speech is paramount to living in a free country. Yep, that's yep, that's the First Amendment. And then what else do they do? What's in the Second Amendment, right? They take the guns away uh, and they, you know, make sure that you know no one can ever resist tyranny. Um, and so, again, it, and you see what's happening with this administration. You had the FBI coming in Missouri trying to, uh, you know, do a quote unquote audit of concealed carry permits in Missouri, which they're not allowed to do. And we pushed back and said, you're not going to do that in Missouri. So just a lot of the stuff that's happening right now, I'm not sure we've ever really seen, but these are important questions that we're going to have to answer in this election cycle about, you know, what kind of country we're going to be. Are we going to remain the freest country in the history of the world? Or are we going to kind of sink to the level of a lot of places around the world now and in history? And that's, I think that's a fight worth fighting, which is why, you know, I'm running for the United States Senate because I've I've, uh, taken on those tough fights as attorney general when I do it in the Senate as well. Quick commercial break, back with the attorney general on the other side. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise.
I hope people are waking up. I mean, I really, during COVID, I felt like, uh, what is that quote where, you know, everyone's running towards a cliff. It's the person going in the opposite direction that looks like the crazy, you know, like I was like, what is going on? And this is insanity. And then even with the vaccine, I was just like pulling my hair out, trying to get people to see the light. And so I just, I, I hope people have seen it. I hope people watch that speech with Joe Biden, you know, looking like a, a dictator. Uh, and I, I hope their eyes are open. I mean, do you, do you think their eyes are open? I think so. I mean, you can feel it on the ground. And uh, I share that belief with you. I mean, in Missouri, we took on, I mean, we sued 47 school districts in Missouri for forcing the masking of kids. I just felt like it was, it was wrong. And that was, by the way, when, the, you know, the case numbers, which was everyone's measure at the time, right? Like on some of those peak days. But if you're doing what's right, um, I think you get vindicated over time. And that's exactly what's happened now with these ridiculous COVID tyrant edicts that were coming down that made no sense. Like you could, you know, you had to have your mask in when you walked into the restaurant, but when you were eating your food, somehow, you know, no one cared about it. It was just all nonsense. But, um, but yeah, I think people are waking up. I think people understand what's at stake and, and why I think, you know, you hear it a lot. This is the most consequential election in our lifetime, but I really believe that. And I also believe in the broader context, as I said, these issues that we're dealing with are not typical political issues. They're not the issues that like Ronald Reagan was wrangling with Tip O'Neill about. I mean, we're asking and going to have to answer some fundamental questions about who we are as a country and whether we will remain that place or not. And so uh, you got to get the right people there who understand what's at stake. Well, and to, you know, I mean, Joe Biden had it right when he said, you know, this is a, a battle for the the soul of the nation. It's just the soul of the nation is not, you know, a dictator standing at a podium and with the military behind him, you know, calling 75 million people like the enemies of the state. Like that's not that should not be the soul of this country that we love and, you know, smearing 75 million people, you know, veterans, people who love this country, who just want to live, who just want to be able to provide a good life for their family, you know, and be left alone by the government. Uh, you know, that that's not that's not the soul of a of America. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. The only and the only time his polling numbers, you know, they're terrible, historically low. But when they go up a point or two, it's usually when he's not around, you know, when he's like hiding. Um, but when he you know, when you kind of reveal he reveals who he is and what the modern Democrat Party is all about. I think most Americans look at that. And they say, we don't have anything to do with that. And, uh, you know, we believe in freedom. We believe in opportunity. We believe that, uh, you know, people should be able to pursue their dreams and government should have as little role to people's lives as possible. That's not the vision of Joe Biden in this administration. And so we're going to figure out, you know, where the American people stand in, in November. And I'm optimistic. Yeah, no, we really need to get back to that original vision of decentralization and put the power into the states and, you know, kind of just leave people alone to the the larger part. Um <laughs> You know, and absent from his speech, you know, there was no talk about crime, inflation, the border, like any of these real issues that I mean, that people are are facing that, you know, a lot of people are suffering right now e economically. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out how they're going to provide for their families right now. And it just seems like this, the Biden regime couldn't care less. No, and, and as you get around when you're running, you know, statewide in a state like Missouri, which has a bunch of different cultural influences. It's a diverse state, the boot heel, you know, which is in Southeast Missouri. It's different than Northwest Missouri and St. Louis and Kansas city have their differences and nuances. You get a sense of where people are at and you have to meet voters where they're at. And, you know, they're not talking about a lot of these ridiculous policies that, that Joe Biden, um, you know, wants to, they, they care about 
those kitchen table issues, right? The price of gas, the cost of milk, the cost of groceries. And why is that? Well, we have a supply problem, right? We have some energy for no good reason. We have all the energy that we'll ever need in this country for generations and generations. And we ought to be all the above on that. And we ought to be exporting that liquefied natural gas to Europe because Germany, by the way, has been relying on other sources. And, you know, for whatever reason, with this climate alarmism, um, uh, people are making terrible decisions. Um, people are making terrible decisions and now they're having rolling blackouts. So we don't want to see that in this country. We want to, you know, be energy dominant. And that's what people care about. They care about inflation. They think this student loan debt forgiveness stuff, which, you know, robs the truck driver to pay for the, the Harvard grad, you know, who's got a bunch of student loan debt. They think it's crazy. They look around and they see this and they can't believe this is happening in their country. They can't believe that there's 87,000 IRS agents now standing across. They can't believe that the FBI is being used this way by top leadership. And so I think people want like a sense of normal. They want some sanity. They can't believe the spending that's happening in Washington right now. They're completely out of touch. This quote unquote inflation reduction bill does just the opposite, but they stand there at the podium and act like it's going to reduce inflation when nobody believes that it's Orwellian in that way. It's like this new speak. So um, again, I think there's a lot of great common sense folks out there that see what's happening they're tired of it and they want their country back. Well, and like none of it makes sense, like, you know, California banning the sale of new gas powered cars by 2035. And then they're like, oh, by the way, like you can't charge your electric vehicle right now. It's like, oh, well, how does how does this work right. out then in practice? Right. This doesn't this doesn't really make sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And that's and that's the fallacy in all of this stuff. Right. Because you got a guy like John Kerry flying around the world in a private jet talking about you know, rising sea levels because of CO2 output. And then Barack Obama bought a house on the coast of Martha's Vineyard, right? The elites are are like, they're just, it's a scam. This whole thing is like a pyramid scheme. And, uh, and and look, people, they see it. They, now there are some true believers. It's become sort of like a religion for some, for some people, but most people see it and they say, look, I, you know, I want my to be able to make these decisions myself. I don't want the government to be dictating all of this stuff to me all the time. Quick break. Back with Attorney General Eric Schmidt. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. 
We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. So all of these policies are geared towards, you know, their elitist coastal base while sticking it to, you know, hardworking Americans uh, and the rest of the country. I, I do think the the student loan, you know, robbing hardworking Americans to pay for some liberals gender studies degree, I, I think that is going to hit a nerve heading into the midterms because it, it's just such fundamental unfairness. That's exactly what it is. That's the right word. It's just fundamentally unfair, Lisa. It's people, you know, who worked and saved you know, and maybe they even, you know, forwent college for a while to, to make sure they didn't go into debt or they made a decision about, you know, what school to go to. I mean, I went to Truman State University, which one of the reasons I went there in, in Northeast Missouri was I got, you know, I got a chance to play sports, which was great, but also it was affordable. It was a great education. And so people are making these decisions and they don't take on certain debt, right? Because they don't want to be saddled with debt. But then when somebody who, like you said, has that kind of degree, um, you know, in in the in the coal miner or the truck driver, or the waitresses having to pay their way when they had to pay everything off or whatever. It just strikes people as totally unfair. And I think the Democrats now have become the party of, by, and for the elites. And um, they're not the party of working people. I think President Trump, one of the great legacies of President Trump, you know, I think with the Republican Party, is it is the party for working people who the, the forgotten men and women in this country who build things who take care of their families and want to do the right thing. And they constantly get vilified by politicians like Joe Biden in that speech last night. And like, like I said, I think people are tired of it. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like those 75 million people that he is uh, smearing are, are some of the best uh, of America. You know, they're, they're people that are just hardworking. They love their neighbors. They're good people. They want to pay their taxes. They want to do right in, in society. And, and, you know, they're being unjustly uh, smeared. Now, I wanted to ask you, so what should people know about, you've got a Senate race, you're running for Senate. What should people know about your race 
Yeah, look, this is a, um, you know, it's a 50-50 Senate, Lisa. And this Missouri, there's no path to the majority if we don't hold Missouri, right? The show me state, we got to win Missouri if we're going to get to 51. And it's, you know, and you look at the map and there's, you know, there's a, there's other states, there's Pennsylvania and there's Arizona and Georgia, these important states. we got to hold Missouri. Uh, you know, we came out of the primary really strong with a, with a really big win. We've got a lot of momentum. And I think people, people have seen my record as attorney general taking on these tough fights. And I want to take these same fights, that same fighting spirit to Washington. We need proven conservative fighters right now. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm running against somebody who's completely out of touch. She's an heiress who got into this race and the, you know, thinks she can buy the Senate seat. And the bad news for her is the seat belongs to the people and I'm going to be their voice. And so we're in a good position. There's some polling that has us up, uh, you know, coming out of, uh, primary season, but you know, these races really start to heat up after labor day and, and, uh, but we're, nobody's going to outwork me. And I think it's just critical. It's just such an important seat to get not just the majority, but the right people there who are going to shake things up. I'm not interested in being, you know, the most popular person in Washington. I'm not interested in being invited to all the cocktail parties. I want to go there and represent Missouri values, fight back against the socialism we see. And so we've got a lot of support. If, you know, people, people want to be supportive, they can text Schmidt, to. You know, we've got a, a 30409 that can text and get involved in our campaign, but it's a big one. It's one of these races that's going to get a lot of national attention. No, and, and people should definitely, I mean, this is a, a critical election and we need to send people like you to the Senate who are, are going to fight for us and, and stand up against a, a lot of the threats we're facing. What else do you, you want to leave us with before we go? I know you're, you're a busy guy running for Senate here. I think that, um, as we talked about, this is a... Uh, not only important election, but he put it in a broader context. I think this we're entering the most consequential decade in our republic since the Civil War because there's a lot up for grabs. You know, we mentioned the things that the Democrats are just two votes away from doing. I mean, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are not like rock solid on any of this stuff anyway. We found that with the reckless spending bills that go through. Like there, there's a way for them to come around. And so when you're talking, the Democrats are obsessed with power and control, adding states to the union and packing the Supreme Court of the United States because they don't like certain decisions. Um, we need to win and we need to hold these people accountable. I think one, one of the things I want people to know about me is when I get up there, I mean, we ought to have hearings round the clock, bring Fauci in for Iran-Contra-like hearings, you know, primetime hearings on what did you know about the origins of COVID? What did you know about gain-of-function research? Where are we funding it? Did you work with the World Health Organization to suppress that information, you know, while it spread? Did you know that China was restricting flights, you know, internally, but not internationally? Did you know they were hoarding PPP uh, or, you know, um, uh, PPE? Uh, and then, uh, you know, going from a net exporter to import, all these important questions that have not been answered. And that's just one thing. Bring in senior FBI, D, you know, DOJ officials. we got to start holding these people accountable. And Lisa, I think one of the things that's most important to me is we have to take on the administrative state and we have to take a wrecking ball to these bureaucrats that are accountable to no one. It is not what the founders intended. They thought in our system of self-government, you could send people there and send them back. That was the ultimate check. But right now, you know, the deputy undersecretary of the EPA, whoever that is, can change and affect someone's life with a guidance letter. And so we got to put that genie back in the bottle. You know, Trump had a two for one rule where you can pull back. If you're proposing a new rule, pull back two. Biden just got rid of it. We ought to put that stuff in statute and do a lot more so we get back to a place where, you know, the Article One branch Congress is responsive to the people and these bureaucrats don't run wild. So there's a lot of work to do. You got to get the right people there and people who are unafraid of the fight. And that, you know, that's been my record. Eric Schmidt, 
Attorney General of Missouri running for Senate. Everyone go out and support him. Uh, sir, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Great to be with you. That was the attorney general of Missouri. He is running for Senate. Uh, he's awesome. We got to support him. Eric Schmidt. Uh, I mean, look, he, he's not lying when he says that this is one of the most consequential elections that we've faced in our lifetime. I mean, what kind of country are we going to be? That's on the ballot this November. So everyone's got to get out, get excited, turn out, get your friends, your family, go work on campaigns, do whatever you can to try to turn this country around and support candidates like him. I want to thank you for listening uh, The Truth with Lisa Booth every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. Please leave us a review, rate us five stars, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, and I, I want to thank my, my team for putting the, the show together. And thanks so much for listening. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play are you on the hunt for a new home this spring but don't know where to start fisher homes is your solution your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space start your journey by selecting your ideal home site like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans bring it all together at our lifestyle design center let fisher homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com the wait is almost over Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com schedule release to learn more.